Welcome to the AA Show. It's the After AB Show for October 2nd, 2019. How's it going, everybody? You know what? No more AB. No more Antonio Brown. <laughs> that was the end of that last week. I think it's a Madden curse. I'll just leave it there. I uh, hope you're doing well. We're already into October. We got two months left before the end of the year. Oh, my God. It's already fall. But, you know, today in Detroit, on October 1st, it was 87 degrees. Muggy as shit. So, I, I, I don't even know why. We call it an autumn. There's no autumn anymore. But, you know, who the hell knows? So, oh, God, I'm about to burp a little bit. Well, uh, I want to cover the uh, one uh, adulting topic that uh, I saved for a while, which is, uh, you know, maybe stock-related stuff. But I'm not going to go overall company by company like I did before. I guess I'll preface it a little bit by saying, uh, personally, I've been unloading a lot. I talked about this a uh, few episodes ago. Uh, when we had the most recent Billy Eilish uh, adulting episode, what number was it? God dang, I th- I had it in my head and then I lost it. So uh, episode one twenty from July third. Uh, so uh, get Richard I'm trying summer two thousand nineteen edition, and then I think I talked about a little bit how the uh, September and October are usually the bad months for the investors and whatnot, and I I just don't see an upside with a hard Brexit or un, you know unpredictable Brexit coming, and also all this impeachment talk that's been coming up over Ukraine. I'm gonna save the politics of that aside, but apparently that's causing volatility in the market. I don't understand why. So. You know, and then the, all the tensions about the oil and shit in Saudi Arabia and all the and, uh, China U.S. trade deal, which not in my opinion, nothing's gonna happen in the very short term. But although, just to comment, you know, I think China just fucking around with it. Um, so I think some sort of easing of the deal uh will be done. Uh, China needs it to keep the economy happy. Although Xi Jinping, he can do whatever the hell he wants. And, you know, you need Trump in the power in 2020. And then if the trade deal gets done, it makes Trump look good. China doesn't have to necessarily look like they have caved in. So they're not in a rush to come to an agreement. But they kind of give some kind of small victory over to Trump. And that's going to, you know, boost the market a little bit. It's like, I did it, I did it. And then Trump stays in the power, which would be advantageous for other world leaders for their own fucking benefits. Like China, Russia, look at them, Middle East. Um, It would be beneficial for them. Uh, So, you know what, they'll... The powers maybe will keep Trump in there in power, despite the volatility and the shitness that he's caused, shit disturbance that he's causing. You know he's good for other countries, not for America. So they, if they need a chaotic America, it's better for other countries. So I think they'll come to a deal, but not anytime soon. They're not in a rush. What's the point? What's the point, right? But if people see through and he doesn't get elected, great. Or some financial numbers don't come through. All right, that's what happens. Um, but I'm sure China and all these people won't let that happen and keep the idiot in the in the chief in charge for a little longer, you know, so that China and Russia and other countries would get ahead of U.S. But that's a politics talk. So, but when is that gonna happen? I don't know. I just don't think it will happen within the next year. I mean, the within within this year calendar year. So they'll. So because of that, I knew some up and down would be happen. And I have my certain goal of paying off my house. Uh, and I already, I always looked into, you know, this year or the next calendar year to be the, you know, be all end all and then pull out the money, save as much, you know, grow my whatever pot as much as possible with the savings. So, I mean, I'm still up, you know, compared to even a year ago or something, I kind of go, wow, what the fuck happened? I lost out on the extra gains. 
uh, for some stock like the Universal Display Corporation OLED symbol, if you're curious. Um, but I don't want to get into that. I, I want to dedicate that for some other episode a little bit. Uh, so LED discussion, you know, OLED display discussion, mini LED, that's separate. But I missed out. But, you know, thinking about it, you know, what happened last year versus this year, I go, well, I'm still up. It's not as up as much as I wanted. And then I got to think I got to recalibrate a little bit. But that said, I sold, you know, shares here and there. I sold my Apple stock. Some of you might be going, what the fuck? Why? Um, I'm going to go into that a little bit. So I... First of all, I, I know Apple said, you know, last couple of days, oh, you know, iPhone 11's off to a strong sales start. I'm like, yes, their price point and all that's great. But I agree with the Goldman Sachs assessment, which is Apple has their Apple TV launching, 599 But for the uh, iPhone 11 or the, any Apple device purchasers, the service would be free for a whole year, which means... You know they'll sacrifice some of these revenue for whatever. Five ninety nine is a really great price point, but I really don't see any great content that would, you know, deter someone from going to, you know, get rid of Hulu, Netflix, or HBO Now, or you know, uh, Disney Plus. That's on coming at a very affordable package price. And even Hulu to a degree, which is also if you get the Disney pimped out package, Hulu would be included. So and then ESPN Plus and all that. Anyway, so I just go, I don't know. And then so that's going to cut through the margins a little bit, although some people are like, oh, don't worry about it. But I just go, you know, cutting the price of the iPhone 11 and iPhone 11 Pro. And then their trade in has been way better than previously. It's getting more attractive, which is a payback to the customer, basically. That's a cost of company. So I don't expect, and some people are seeing soft demand for iPhone 11 series that's coming out. That was another, you know, third party report coming out. So because of that, I go, I think Apple is going to be volatile. Yes, they have dividends and all that, but I'm like, whatever. I just, I just, I just don't see a much upside at this point. I think whatever gain we got, uh, got to I'm ready to bail, so I bailed on it. wasn't that many shares to begin with anyway, so I'm just like, whatever. And then I'm I'm happy with it. I made my gains. I got my dividends, so I go like, whatever. I know they boosted up a little bit today after some, you know, yeah, 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 sales look good, sales look good. But then, you know, it kind of went up a little bit with everything. So, you know what? It's a trillion-dollar company, Um, but I just go, you know what? I, I Everyone's really positive about it, and then there's a trade war truce anticipation coming. I just go, you know what, Apple would be one of those growth stocks like Netflix, Tesla, Google, Amazon. They'll get hit the most when everyone realizes, shit, we got to pull the money out. Apple would be one of them. Um, Microsoft also to a degree, although, eh, let's see. You know, So, I, I mean, I'm willing to come back to Apple in a little bit. I want the market and all that to play out, so I start withdrawing my cash a little bit. Uh, I already talked about pulling out of Home Depot. Uh, the other one that I pulled out already, this is going to be a disclaimer already, is the AT&T. I got rid of all the AT&T shares. I got rid of all the European ETF shares. Uh, I got rid of all the water ETFs also. Um, is it because I'm following what Michael Burry said? Uh, to a degree, but I, I'll say for the waterfront, is like I think I talked about the water, like why investor invest in water instead of weed stocks weed stocks are hella volatile that i can see so i talked about this a couple of years ago 
I think. It's like, man, you must have saw the, seen the movie Big Short or something. And I go, yeah, and then it made me think about it. But then the addition of it is Invest in Water. So that was episode 38. Holy shit, it was two years ago. Yeah, May 10th, 2017. Um, green economy and all that stuff. And then, But then I really didn't see much upside other than the dividends come in, which wasn't huge. And I just go, and then I thought about more and more about the water stocks and where the water is going. I just go, well, is Nestle going to own all the water like we thought they're going to do before? I don't think so. So I just go, you know what? Get rid of water and then the ETFs. And Michael Burry, uh, I'm just going to bring him up. If you don't know, he's a guy who, who made the biggest short bet with the derivatives. And then he made hundreds of millions of dollars off of the uh, the mortgage crisis. 11 years ago uh he says he thinks there's a passive investing bubble which is an etf bubble which i thought about for a long time because ever since the game the numbers came out about three four years ago hey you just have to do passive investing just do index fund investment and then everybody goes after like you know those a high growth you know the s&p 500 index fund and all that stuff spy vu Vanguard and all those mid cap, small cap, and then every and then there's a whole bunch of ETF packages coming out. There's a millennial, the millennium ETF. There's a gold ETF. There's a cybersecurity ETF. You know, there's an ETF for everything. But then I just go, well, I, I had this question for a while. Also, while it's easy to invest into it, like, do people really look at what these ETFs portfolio looks like? It's it's a passive mutual fund basically, right? And I just go, well, like, for example, VU, VOO, for the Vanguard High Growth. They have Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, but then the dividends rates are nowhere close to what individual Apple, Microsoft, you know, all those individual stocks, Visa, and all those would offer. So I just go, why the fuck would I, would I, would I invest in the Vanguard, you know, which is more like, distributed but yet at the same time i don't get the same dividends why don't i do the similar ratio and then do the study and actively pick those individual stocks so i just go i want more dividends that way and then some there's a debate about the dividends and stuff do you really need it i mean if you're gonna have it sit there and do nothing it's better to get it that's the compounding gain of having a stock over time so i just go this is stupid everybody's pick Everyone is picking ETFs instead of actually reading and studying the ETFs. So that's sort of the conclusion I've been reaching also recently. And then he agrees. And then he thinks there are opportunities. Michael Burry, back to him, he thinks there are opportunities in a small cap, uh, especially in Japan or something. <laughs> For, so he's been individually stock picking. Um, but, you know, and then he doesn't think the curve market... Uh, this was an interview about a month ago. The the current market is obviously like growing artificially, whatever. And then he thinks, well, longer this goes, the harder the fall is gonna be. But he doesn't know when. Like he sort of projected 10, 11 years ago. So, but he's like, I'm going with the safer bets, which isn't a small cap in Japan or something. Uh, and then he said, I got rid of all my water stocks. And I just go, yeah, you know what? It kind of confirms my thought. So it became sort of a confirmation rather than you know I'm just following as an affirmation. Um, so I, un- I, uh, I got my gains, I sold, and the other one that I sold, uh, also was AT&T. Um, some of you might be wondering, now, this is the main thing I wanted to talk about today. I, I think why AT&T is the next GE, the General Electric. Now, that's a bit of a controversial statement, 
Um, but I'm not the first one to say it. So sucks that I'm not the first one to say it. There, I I gotta be honest. Like other people said this too. You know, uh, what was it? What the fuck said this? Just Google it. Just duck duck go this shit. But the reason that I'm calling. I, 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 if you read the articles and stuff, AT&T, so you got to look at AT&T as a whole, not just the phone business, but it's the AT&T corporation, you know, they own the, they own the mobility for the singular, the landlines from the long days ago, you know, and then they got the, as you may know, Time Warner, they bought the Time Warner, Warner Media, basically, who owns CNN, HBO, TNT, all that stuff, uh, also, they bought DirecTV, uh, <laughs> before they bought the Warner Media, which I'm gonna talk about a little bit. So why do I? So the common thing about the AT&T stock is that it's a great dividend stock. You know, um, AT&T's been long, long forever. You know, whenever the down thing happens, you know, AT&T always have has a five to six percent dividend yield. Well, first of all, it got to the six point percent mark because the stock value fell a lot. Um, and then AT&T with the dividends history it's whatever i it's great that's one of the reasons i have it and then although i barely made money just purely on the stock sales it's the pure the dividend pay payout over the last two years or so you know kind of made up for all those losses so i just go all right i really didn't lose lose as much um but that said i i i really 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 don't see a huge whatchamacallit, uh, upside to the AT&T business at the moment. I'll tell you why. Because uh, it's a big corporation, and if you worked in many big American corporations, you know the bottleneck and all that stuff, silos, different, whatever. And I, I've seen this firsthand working with the mobility people in different offices. They're great people, but the bureaucracy is just ridiculous. Um, but... Aside from that, if you got to look at the product themselves, I, I can't, I don't understand why, you know, GE was also paying off great stock, also, uh, the stock dividends also, you know, relative to the value. But people, you know, they'll come a day, they'll like, they'll have to either cut the dividend or, you know, create more bonds or something, do something to generate money. The problem with a, the GE, maybe an unfair comparison, is that they, they really have been shielded. It's a menu, GE, first of all, as you may know, they work on the, there's a GE Medicare working on, you know, CT scans, MRI machines, and also there's an aviation business, uh, which they sold off with, the, you know, the plane engines and stuff, other manufacturing stuff they got, you know, coal machines and all that, coal digging up machines and all that shit, light bulbs, industrial, whatever, blah, 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 but they they made some wrong, they also had the GE Financial which has been a great great balance sheet for Jack Welch which has been you know whatever and then they, they what have they ever innovated since nothing they were just hiding under the GE finance you know umbrella and then the balance sheet and the economy hits the recession hits in 2008 and then they suffer the most it wasn't even the greatest financial service to begin with compared to the other guys like goldman or banks and then they just like fucking faltered and then that exposed the entire company and then the bad money balance and the bad investment internally and externally they've been doing and that company never really turned around, never adapted. Now it's in the shape it's in, and they cut the dividend two-thirds because they're like, 
in the saving mode at this stage. So that's GE basically. They haven't done anything. They hit behind the one financial institution which completely collapsed 11 years ago. Now they're in the shit shape that they're in. Who wants to go work for GE? I Oh, we wanted the internet of things. What? Doing what? I don't fucking know. It's like, what? I don't fucking know what GE does. Now AT&T on the other hand tried to you know, mitigate this. Oh my god, we don't want to be the next great American icon and falter. You know? So like the GE or GM at one time when it got bankrupted. So I'm not going to talk about GM or the car companies. That's my current work. I don't talk about that. Now for AT&T specifically, uh, they have acquired DirecTV, the satellite TV service provider. Uh, 2015 was it? 2014 when they originally acquired them at about uh 48 and a half billion dollars 95 dollars per share and they would have an access to 26 million extra tv customers across the country so when i when they made this first acquisition mostly in cash and the shares without any debt taking without pull you know borrowing money from anybody i go wow at&t had 48 and a half billion dollars to offer you know I just go, god dang, that's fucking crazy. Um, but I just go, why do they acquire a dying asset? Everyone's cord cutting. Unless, they. my initial thought when AT&T acquired DirecTV was, hey, they just bought that $26 million customer base and then the customer data. This must be some expensive data purchase here. And then try to convert these people into 2010s of the cord cutting business. But it wasn't... It didn't really turn out that way, and then the DirecTV is fucking faltering. They try to have a DirecTV now, DirecTV, you know, the streaming service under the DirecTV umbrella. No one fucking uses it. And then people who are using the original DirecTV satellite TV are fucking bitching about it. So their customer base is down. They raise the price, it's been coming down. People are like, fuck it. And then NFL Sunday ticket, they're, now this week, they're saying they're thinking about selling it to other, you know, TV providers. And I just go, Wow, it has reached a point where you're selling the single exclusive package that DirecTV ever had, which is a NFL Sunday ticket. Because no one else has it, because Comcast got the red zone, which was easier to watch. And then the if you want to watch every single NFL game every Sunday, you will get the DirecTV for the NFL Sunday ticket. But because, because AT&T did a fantastic job promoting the DirecTV and to screw the customers out, not thinking customer first, they fucked themselves over and then f- f- exactly fuck over $48.5 billion. Now they're thinking about selling the NFL Sunday package to some other cable providers or TV providers and also thinking about selling the DirecTV as a whole. And I just go, what the fuck was that? And then they bought also the... the they got into the Mexico business and they bought the... They started the AT&T Mexico, which used to be IUSA sell. I can't even pronounce it right. They bought that for $717 million, uh, 50% stake of it. So anyways, I just go, you know what, AT&T Mexico, sure, you get the whole North America business, go ahead, that's not a bad thing to do. You know, having Mexican people come over to the U.S. and they say, hey, SA, it's still AT&T, eh? you know, it's, it's, it's not a bad idea, or a cricket. So that, that was a smart buy, but then, I don't know, that's still a money spent. So they fucked over AT- the DirecTV completely, and then now they realize that what the fuck. The next big purchase they did was a Time Warner acquisition. Now, they bought that on a massive, that was like 
83, 85.4 billion dollar takeover, and they had to issue. They just spent 48 and a half billion dollars on stock and cash to buy Directv for what? Nothing. And so they had to borrow at least 40 billion dollars to finance the cash portion of the 85.4 billion dollar takeover of Time Warner. So I go, okay, you got Time Warner. You you want the great content provider with some streaming services? Great. Now you have the asset of the Warner Studio movies and everything. So you're loading it up, and then the antitrust and the the DOJ let this deal through finally. Trump wasn't happy. CNN bad network. So, and then you know some people are arguing that hey they locked in the rates. It's a historically low interest rate. So that's whatever. After the acquisition is complete, I don't know if it's still the case. They're looking at about a hundred and eight billion dollars of debt, hundred and nineteen billions in net debt. AT and T already had that, and then that the value grows of the debt grows to another hundred and eight billion dollars. So in total, if I read this right from the old Wall Street Journal report, uh, AT and T agreed to pay, including debt, the value grows to one hundred and eight point seven billion dollars, and to finance they took it. Yeah, so. AT&T already had non-financial corporate issuer the dollar denominator that already has at the time of 2016 when the acquisitions was announced $119 billion in net debt roughly double what was 5 years ago in 2011 so the load could grow as much as $170 billion if the deal is approved gotta watch the balance sheet I don't have time to do it so I didn't look at it so oh without mentioning while, while, while back in 2010, 2011. Do you remember when AT&T tried to buy T-Mobile and then that deal went south? You know, and then what happened? As a return for not being able to merge, uh, AT&T had to pay T-Mobile. What was it, a billion dollars? More than a billion dollars. Uh, <laughs> for, you know, not, not being able to merge. And... And AT basically, they they try to buy them for thirty nine billion dollars, but instead they gave AT and T back you know a billion dollars, ten billion dollars, and then yeah, let's see. Right, uh, Deutsche Telekom will receive three billion in cash as well as access to one billion worth of the AT and T held wireless spectrums. So they spent four billion dollars or so worth of stuff for nothing. So they already burned that in two thousand twelve or so. So 2000, late 2011. So this company has spent over four billion dollars, forty-eight and a half billion dollars. Uh, what what else was there? And then four, forty-eight and a half, about eighty-five point four, including about forty million in debt. They just added hundred and thirty-eight billion dollars in acqu major acquisitions. They spent at least. Close to 140 if you count the Mexico and then other smaller ad companies they bought and all that. What has that what has that resulted in? T-Mobile got bigger thanks to AT&T. They become a legitimate contender and they're gonna merge with Sprint now. DirecTV has completely faltered. I don't they're losing they lost customers from the 26 million that they acquired. They have failed to convert these people into more U-verse. Internet, TV, AT&T Mobility. AT&T Mobility subscriber is not growing that much. Or it's losing it to T-Mobile and other motherfuckers. 
and they bought Warner Media, and then they did the huge reorg Dog and Pony show. To and then they announced the HBO Max as a streaming service. They fired all the quality people who are at HBO, and then they gotta go quantity over quality at this point. And how much is HBO Max? Well, like nineteen ninety nine or something. Tough. I just go okay. It's like, how much will it cost? Twenty bucks a month, which is more than Disney Plus, more than Netflix, more than whatever NBC Universal and then CBS. You know, all access. That's like ninety nine. And I just go. They're trying to bring it all together. And how many Warner Media streaming services are there? There's HBO Go, HBO Now, Bleacher Report Live, Cinemax Go. Yeah, Cinemax. Yes. You forget that Max outside of HBO. There's oh, there is also the CNN shit. You know all the YouTube channels they got going as on the side as a social media effort. Direct TV now, which is AT and T now, and then there's also AT and T TV now, and then there's also AT and T TV. Uh, it it's a cluster of mess. You like how you're gonna put it all together? I. I I just go what what the fuck? I know it's it's hard to consolidate everybody together, and they have some really good properties like Friends, all the DCEU which has have been got awful, all the HBO libraries, all the other shows, TNT, TBS. I'm sure they got their own streaming too. Bleacher Report, I'll be honest, has been great, but you gotta consolidate all these together. Like Bleacher Report Live is a competitor to ESPN Plus. Uh, HBO is a premium one, but then it's going to be merged with HBO Max. It's a competitor to Netflix and then Disney Plus, I guess, and then Hulu. What is their strategy? I, I don't understand. And the way they have botched and butchered their TV business, streaming business from DirecTV and then try to go over the top in that side and then try to merge that technologically and from a service standpoint, from an end user perspective, it's it's a goddamn mess, and they're trying to launch it early next year. What are you gonna do with the remainder of these redundant services? What are you gonna do with all these? And then, I think Ars Technica had an article about look how many of these you know everybody is having their own streaming service. Where like I can count about seven or eight right now. Netflix, Disney Plus with all its three services: ESPN, Hulu, Disney Plus, Disney Kids. I'm including all that in one. CBS All Access. NBC Comcast Universal is like kind of come out with their thing. Uh, there's also YouTube, YouTube Pro, that's the thing. And then what was it? ABC. No, that's part of Disney, so don't worry about that. And then there's HBO Max, Amazon Prime. I forgot about that shit. Uh, and then uh, what am I? What else am I forgetting? What else? What else am I forgetting? I'm sure there are other over-the-top services out there. You know, oh, uh, the Zone. You know, I counted about eight just now. So how many of these would people really carry? Amazon Prime for sure because it comes with the, all the shopping and all that stuff. Netflix, people have been loyal to it. Disney has been very competitive. And CBS, I don't know who the fuck watches CBS. But these are the top three at this point. Hulu, the Disney service, Netflix, and then Amazon in turn with the whole Prime. So all these rest of the knuckleheads are out of this service right now. So and it's twenty dollars for AT and T. What the fuck are you offering? Oh, WWE Network, UFC. There's all that other shit. So I I I, I just go. Where where do you fit in? You don't have an identity. 
You've been selling, shelling shit out nonstop with redundant services and redundant shit. You can't even spell your own AT&T TV now versus AT&T TV right. It's a fucking mess. And then they're going to launch it. Are you going to scrap all these things? Knowing these places, they're not going to scrap so easily. It's a big organization with a big bureaucracy. Someone's going to try to justify their existence. Fortunately, unfortunately. And AT&T, I just go, while this is going and people are like, hey, the dividends are great. Dividends are great. The future is great. I, for once, I agree with the activist investor, the Elliot, that came in and said, they should spin off all of this. They should sell the. They should sell this, this, this. What is it? Stop acquiring, start selling. You know, I disagree with one statement from the Elliot, which is they need to become like Verizon. I disagree with Ver- that statement because Verizon tried to be a media provider. They fucking fail. Go ninety AOL. They spun that all off, and it became Oath and everything. Oh, Apple Plus. That's the other TV service. And where where do they fit in? To me, AT and T's main main competitor at this point is Disney. You know, so like you have the you're going up against the Warner products versus the Disney ABC products. It's like that's what's up. So I just go, what what are you gonna do? And then the activist investor, I agree with him that the the AT and T's history with Randall Stevenson's approved acquisition have been god fucking awful. Like it's just. They spent so much money, 140, 150 billion dollars for nothing. And then people are like so happy with the dividends and everything. But I just go, they're going to cut those dividends at some point. These are not sustainable acquisitions over the last nine years. And then people go, ah, that's, it's like, this is very attractive. It's like, dude, I, I I would bail at some point. I said I would give rest of this year for them to give a clear vision and a clear roadmap as to where they're going in their streaming and the media business. Because they're pumping out. So streaming, in my opinion, is still a mess. They're going to bungle. They're going to fuck this up. They got to get rid of all the overhead with all the other services they got. They got to get rid of all that other junk and come to one single streaming service or come with... Very streamlined idea of HBO is going to be 14 plus entertainment, like how Disney has it with Hulu. Hulu is going to be more adult entertainment. Disney is going to be more kids oriented. The DC with Warner business, you know, the fucking DCEU has been god awful compared to the Marvel, obviously. So he's like, fuck it. And rest of the Warner movie properties, Turner, CNN and all that. Yeah, 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 whatever. But pump out stupid shows over and over but i don't know how they'll compete against netflix's in that regard i you rely on the classic shows on hbo but you got rid of all the quality people i would rather take quality shows over a quantity how many shows does netflix have netflix had to add their own crappy shows just to add to the library as these people these traditional studios like the Warners, the Lion Gates, and then the NBCs, Universal started leaving their business, right? And Disney's. So they got to pump that in. HBO already has stacks of stuff. And then they landed, landed friends over to Netflix one more year just to get $200 million. I'm sorry. I think I agree with the old statements. Like, that's good for the end users, but that's a bad business for AT&T. You just marginalize your own crap. 
He's like, sorry, like friends are gonna disappear. Uh, you gotta wait for HBO Max. He was like, people will bitch about it, but then if people truly love Friends, you know, I would have, you know, launched the AT&T HBO Max with Friends Anniversary, the 25th anniversary that's been going all over the place now. But they fucked that up, obviously. They didn't think this through. So I, I really don't think this is a sustainable balance sheet and dividend handout they can do. So because of that reason, and knowing how AT&T has bungled multiple things, and knowing how they work internally... Despite all the effort to reorganize and streamline and stop trying to be a bureaucratic American corporation, I am not so fucking hopeful. I think they'll have to cut dividends at some point. They gotta cut more services, unfortunately, fire more people, try to remove all the redundancies and stupid costs. I'm sure the first thing they'll do is fire people, you know, and then fire groups, which is unfortunate. And then it sucks that they spent all these hundreds of billions of dollars into useless or poorly executed acquisitions, yet they never reinvested into their own employees and their people and their facility. Like, I, you look at it and go, hey, you want to go work for at and It's like, why, you want me to go sell phones? You know, you never look at at and and be like, Jesus, that's this company that Alexander Graham Bell, you know, kind of started after the Bell Lab and everything. And then they had to, you know, they were such a monopoly that the American government broke them up. There's no respect for AT&T like that anymore. AT&T is just another cable provider, you know, with poor-ass fucking coverage and service and poor customer service that people bitch about in, in the 21st century. And then they go, we need to be agile. We need to do this. You know, they had a great opportunity trying to have a streaming service and trying to have the next generation of whatever. But... They fucked themselves to the next level in the media side business. 5G. I forgot to talk about that. I. That's another thing that people bet on AT&T. God, they got this media streaming thing coming with all the media assets. And also the 5G. Let me tell you about the 5G. No one has a clear agreement what the fuck the 5G is. Like China is getting ahead of 5G. Okay, so 5G, if you don't know, that's basically like you heard about 4G, 4G LT and all that shit. Um... And 5G is the fifth generation of the cellular network technology. Is it clearly agreed as to what the fuck the standard is? No. And what are they doing in China versus, you know, what are they doing in Asia? You know, like Huawei and all these guys are going to beat, you know, America and North America and European markets to blah, blah, blah. The, the problem with the 5G here versus China is China is trying to use... The frequency range that's sub six gigahertz channel. Now, there's there's two frequency ranges: one above twenty four gigahertz, one less than six gigahertz. Now, if you know the FM AM radio stations, why does the AM stations they're at like five hundred thirty hertz or six hundred hertz versus oh kilohertz versus FM radio that's like one hundred and four point five megahertz? It's a better quality but travels less because the frequency is higher, right? And same thing for these things. Above 25 gigahertz, it travels in less distances and more susceptible to noise like rain and wall and everything. It needs a direct line of sight. But when it has a direct line of sight, the performance is unbelievable to the gigabit internet level. Sub 6 gigahertz is what the fuck we have with the existing, you know, Wi-Fi and the, you know, Wi-Fi you have either 2.4 gigahertz or 5 gigahertz bands. And... It's basically leveraging existing LTE, 4G, 3G, you know, channels, bands. 
but it travels, but it never performs at the level people anticipate that it, you know, 5G is supposed to be like, you know, it, it's better for crowded and then for deployment purposes, you don't have to deploy as many, you know, cells out in the world. You can leverage existing architecture infrastructure that's in the 4g lte network but obviously the performance ain't going to be there which is that is what china and korea are doing using sub 6 gigahertz coverage so that 5g ain't same as a verizon at&t t-mobile 5g they're doing over here at ridiculously high band range that we're using over here because of that reason uh at&t is using 39 gigahertz verizon uses 28 gigahertz you know, so I can use theoretically up to 300 gigahertz. But the problem is you need to have all these like cells everywhere because it cannot penetrate, you know, basic wall or fucking piece of paper even to get the maximum performance, which is the biggest problem. So you want to put more cells around it so you get coverages all over the place or you want to have sub, you want to use existing infrastructure to do it. Now, because of that reason, I say 5G is not even fucking close. Yes, the con- just the general broad concept of 5G is like unbelievable. Oh my god, you know, cars can talk to each other. We're going to have VR streaming, the virtual reality level streaming, 360 degrees, blah, blah, blah. None of that is there. It just, it doesn't travel that far using from the technology that Verizon and AT&T has at the moment. And then the AT&T especially has a fake-ass 5G e-icon, which is not even a fake 5G at all, and then just trying to sell this shit, just another marketing bullshit they've been always trying to do. It's a 4G. It's like, no, it's HSPA. It's 3.5G. Jesus Christ. So people rely on 5G to be the future thing. It ain't fucking close, in my opinion. And I, it ain't fucking close. Anywhere close. And then you want to, oh, it will be fine in about five to like, you know, four to five years. Do you think AT&T can sustain all with all that cash balance sheet and then debt level that they're having and the sh- they're, with all the streaming, you know, snafu and fumbling they've been doing, they will be surviving and then keep paying the dividends at the level they're doing four or five years from now. The Moody's already degraded their fucking credit rating for all the debt that they have taken on. And then their customer base for the mobile ain't growing as much as T-Mobile. It ain't going as, like, same for the DirecTV business. People are leaving, flocking away from the fucking satellite for their god-awful service and raising the prices. And then you expect people to, you know, make up for these losses with the fucking $20 streaming service that maybe barely cracks a top five out of all the streaming services? Give me a fucking break. And this is going to be... I don't know why people, you need to look at the actual product and the technology. And the track record has been god-awful over the last nine years where this management and the company has been running. Should they become a complete Verizon and give up on all the media business? I don't think so because I think Verizon is missing out by not acquiring the proper assets. Why are you acquiring AOL? Why are you acquiring AOL Media with the Huffington Post and all that? It had no traction. I think they pussied out. I think Verizon pussied out and then gave up fast. And they're going to rely on the infrastructure. Go ahead. Go go, go become the mobile operator. You know, for, and then some sort of fiber provider. You know, if you want to focus on... That's what the Elliott management is saying is that AT&T should do. I disagree. I think AT&T branding and all that, all that has more potential 
to do more daring acquisitions like this. But again, they they fucked up. It's like if the Elliot management thinks, you know, as in they go, if they unloaded all these assets and you know spin off Directv, sell off all the media assets, the stock value would be at a sixty dollars a share. I I I don't know, man. Like like 5g is not even that close no not really either like you know there are 5g phones there but how many of them are in practical use right now right i just go it's it's at least three four years away to deploy at the level and then it has to be a sustainable level and then there are a lot of things that the standard body with 3g pp haven't agreed upon how is roaming gonna work china and korea are using different technologies with different modem chipsets how is this gonna work uh, it's just it's not People think 5G in a very broad sense is there. Yes, conceptually, but realistically, not even fucking close. Internet of Things, not even fucking close. People like GE and IBM try to be Internet of Things infrastructure company, not even fucking close. AT&T try to be the streaming media company, not even fucking close. You, if you look at the AT&T, when people say long AT&T, what is your long here? I just laid out technologically how... Behind they are in 5G and then media and streaming aspect and then customer service ain't getting so fucking better because clearly they're going under the old corporate mentality balance sheet cost over and quantity over quality and customer satisfaction, which is what all the great companies that are growing the high growth companies like Apple, Amazon, you know, they have customer first quality over quantity. Has AT&T have shown that over the last nine years? They have executed that? Not necessarily. So because of that reason, I think AT&T is in huge trouble. I sold all my shares, and they need to get it, get its act together. I'm glad the activist investment has taken a look in it, but I, I wish they would have, you know, I, they don't have... They haven't shown the technical details It's from where I see with the streaming technology, 5G technology, where they, where they're not such an attractive company for you know future software engineers or the digitization effort. It's not an attractive place to go to. They blew all this money to acquire and do nothing out of it. So, And they're just going to bitch at other marketplace and all that to the shareholders going forward as to why the business is slowing down. This to me is dangerous. Because of this, I am not so certain about AT&T over the last five, four to five years. And I'm sorry for people that are working there, but they never invested in employees to the level they should have. And they have not, they have wasted a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of bureaucracy that, that becomes a downfall of a traditional American corporation. And it just saddens me because, uh, I, working with AT&T on the mobility side, working at Samsung, I saw, I can see this. And then looking at from outside, looking in, looking at the details, look at the books, look at the actual products they're trying to ship. It just, it just makes me grind my teeth. So anyways, I'm going to say my banter there. I think I'm going to be repeating myself at this point. So, you know, hey, that, that that's my take on AT&T Corporation as a future. So, for those saying that are long, you want to keep getting the dividends? Go ahead, but look at the thing closely. Look at it closely. It could become a G one day. 
you know, maybe not five years from now, it could be 10 years from now, but the way they've been accelerating, acquiring all these companies, it's beyond the GE level, how they've been going. GE did not do much, and then GE tried to make acquisitions very late. AT&T's case, they try to get ahead of it, but they haven't executed fully. So it has been terrible mergers and acquisitions, in my opinion, which may accelerate their downfall ultimately. So anyways, I'm going to leave it there. Thanks for listening to my banter and then the take on the AT&T. And then, uh, yeah, subscribe on the Apple Podcast, Google Play Music, and all those wonderful things. Spotify, we're on there too. And then uh, send me an email if you disagree with me, a-show-at-outlook.com, a-show-at-outlook.com. And then, uh, yeah, we'll check back next week. I, I really wonder what you guys think. And then I uh, hope you have a great rest of the October as the fall continues to chug, chug, chug. Bye-bye. Uh-huh.